Ah, greetings. Care for a story? One of heroes and villains? Of swords and sorcery? Of romance and treachery? We'll pull up a chair and have a listen. Hi, and welcome to the RPG Show. My name's Brent. I'm your host. This is a show we rate, review, and talk about RPGs. With me today, as per the use, I have two gentlemen with me. First, I have Nick, my god, the rare drops Gantner. How you doing this fine afternoon? Pretty good, pretty good. How about you? I've been better, but uh, I'm not going to let that slow me down. And up next, we have Glenn, inconsistent translation Landrum. How are you doing this afternoon? At all. Oh my god, that was really racist. You never fail yeah. to surprise me with the absurdity that you responded to me with. Um, Wait, to, what did he say? He said, hello, like a uh, oh. really racist way. So, uh, today, it's it's uh, it's Soiko time, bitches. Again, Soikoden 2 review. So, why don't you tell me a little bit about Soikoden 2 there, Glenn? Yep, uh, it was developed and published by Konami. Its director was Yoshitaka Murayama. Uh, released back in 98 in Japan, followed by 99 in the U.S. and 2000 in Europe. Uh, amusingly, it actually had a limited edition run in the beginning and was not terribly popular, but it did get uh, very, very good reviews. Like, I think IGN gave it a 9 out of 10. Uh, what's in- Another thing is it's actually one of the most valuable games on the PlayStation right now. Uh, original discs can go up to $150. Yeah, I'm looking at eBay now. I'm seeing complete sets going for around $150. And uh, that's, it was much higher prior to the re-release of the game on the PSN. So yeah. um, It's also on Steam for like three... Uh, no, no, it's not on Steam. I'm sorry, wrong game. Yeah, wrong game. What were you saying, Nick? Uh, I was saying before it was like $200, Yeah, it's come down since the since the PSN release of it now in addition to what glenn said is you know of course developed and published by konami with the director yoshitaka Moriyama. he also produced and wrote the game in partnership with junko kuwano i believe that's how you say that name um this art design by fumi ishikawa yeah ishikawa and uh the music was composed by miki higashino I don't, i'm terrible with names higashino Higashino. So uh, it is the second in a series of six, well, five games, six if you include tactics, right? Five, two, two, three, four, five. Yeah, five. Um, yeah, basically, like Glenn said, it was it, it had a very limited run in the U.S., which is resulted in the rarity of like complete sets of the game. So um, it's. I wish I had a complete copy. I had to play it on the PSN because that would be a cool, cool one to have. But oh, yeah, I played it on my disc. Oh uh, yeah, because you're fucking, you know, you just take it and shove it up your bunghole. How about that, Nicholas? That sound good? Sounds good to me. All right. Um, for those new here, we typically break this up into 
four, well, five, technically five categories. We have gameplay, story, uh, visuals, music, and our overall experience. Each of those get a five separate rating, and we go through each category, talk about how we felt about the game, and then give it a score one through five. So, first up is gameplay. Now, we are fresh off the heels of Soikoden 1. What sort of, uh, a lot has changed since Soikoden 1, really. Uh, they the first up is they really expanded on the rune system a lot the first game it was you had every character had one rune and that was it and most of them were magic runes you did have a few skill-based runes in there but the majority of them were magic oriented now in soikin 2 there's a lot of skill runes how did you guys feel about the expanded rune system I don't. I, I personally felt it was. Uh, it, it was almost more of the same. Like it didn't really matter much to me. I think you're insane. What about you, Nick? Uh, yeah, Glenn. What the hell? There's like by, by expanding the slots to three that you allowed to equip, it gives you way more customization for your characters. So I mean, and so you have, you know, a left hand, a right hand, and a head slot. Now, not everyone unlocks all three. Some people only unlock two, yada, yada, yada. Some people and have theirs permanently attached. Some of them have permanently attached. And also, like, it enables you to combo rune. So, like, I think of uh, Ulan. She has the Angry Dragon rune in which uh, she, it's like a 3x damage, but she can only use once unless she's berserk. Oh, guess what? There's a rare find in the Magic Store and Muse. Um, that's the Fury rune which gives somebody permanent berserk status enabling you basically to use a 3x attack every turn or um, you have wakaba or lc chen that have a 2x attack that um, makes them become unbalanced you give them the balance rune where they're unable to become unbalanced and voila you have a solid hitting attack to use every turn not to mention things like uh you know they have a lot of runes like the Magician's Rune that doubles up on, well not doubles, but effectively increases the magic power of a character, but has drawbacks like they had their magic defenses lowered. Same with, uh, you have like the Warrior Rune, which t increases their strength and attack, but lowers their defense. Uh, I think th the system really sort of, it it's fully fleshed in this game. Uh, what are some of your uh, experiences using the system, Nick? Um, like, what do you mean? Expanses? I mean, what's, like, like anything you would like to point out about how they expanded it and what it what it meant to you on this playthrough? Uh, it means you can break the game if you want to. Well, how did you break the game? Elaborate. Um, you if you have somebody that has three slots and like a decent amount of attack, like Killy, he's usually the guy that usually people use for it. But there's other people you can too. You just shove like double beat, double strike, and fury on them, and then they're just pumping out the fucking damage. It's just like bam, bam, bam. They're multiple, multiple hitting. They get multiple attacks sometimes. Like, it works the best on people that can attack multiple times. Like, they're mm -hmm. faster. So, like, they get the bonus from just striking twice in combat, and then they get damage bonus from the double strike, and they get the fury bonus, and, like, it's just, it's obscene. Yeah, I mean, can, can we talk about the double beat rune for a second? Like, talk about a rune you can never have enough of. Like, if, if this game wasn't already uh, a very lengthy game, I probably would have spent a good few hours in that first zone, like, farming the fuck out of those rabbits, because, I mean, Christ. Like, I just, I, I ended up with four or five of them, and I felt like I needed more. 
because Double Beat is broken as hell. Yeah, so, there's a few places you can get them, but definitely the very first time through the Misty Pass thing is definitely the best time to do it. And, I mean, but see, I think that's sort of one of the drawbacks on the expanded rune system is there are so many ones, it felt like there are some runes, and I guess this sort of is true in subsequent titles in the series as well, that some of them are either really underwhelming, and then you have a couple that are just so incredibly powerful and somewhat readily available um or there's only really one of them and like it i mean i guess i'm okay with it when there's only really one of them but like if there's three or four and you sort of it sort of becomes this mandated thing on three or four people in your party i don't care for that so so much so i mean it i feel like it sort of threw the balance and usefulness sort of a bit skewed but then again, I mean, to be fair, it's sort of that way in the first one with the limited rune system, because, I mean, hello, Earth Rune, I'm looking at you. So, um... Well, I mean, I would argue that you don't necessarily have to abuse any of the special runes. You can just put... Like, you can beat the game with just regular, like, elemental runes, like lightning or fire. And that's, that, that is possible, but that's not how we play games, is it? Of course not. Okay, then. But, I again, we covered it in the first week interview. I feel like that's one of the charms of the series is there's enough options and not only party composition, but now in your rune skill setup and really how you assign armor pieces that you can really flex muscle in the game and sort of power through it, or you can travel through it, sort of its intended difficulty, sort of doing what you want. Um, speaking of the expandability in this one as i believe in the in the first game what did you have one maybe two accessory slots it was head slot body slot shield slot if your character could equip a shield uh-huh. and then two accessory slots okay you had two accessory slots in this one you essentially have you have to choose between accessories or having items on the character now i felt like the the sequel, so you get in two, undervalued the use of items from the first one. Because in the first one, you you can end up using quite a bit of items. And this one, I always just dumped medicine. I never, I don't think I carried medicines on anybody, and I just used three accessory slots on everybody. Did either of you do anything different? Honestly, uh, about halfway through, I just started selling every item I came across because just massive. They didn't seem to matter, you know? Uh, I mean... I don't know about that. Like, I'd say some of the later accessories. Like, there is a big stopgap between... No, no, no. The like, accessories I use, the actual usable items, like you said, medicine, those I just never really found much of use for past the very beginning. I think I kept one stack of each of, like, the, the abnormal status curing items, and that was about it. But I kept those in my bag. I didn't really put them on anybody until, like, maybe if I got in a boss and, it, like, he silenced or something, and then, like, it caused me trouble, I might load up and put it on somebody, but... I don't know. Um, what about you, Nick? Did you ever really use any of the items at all? I never use items in any RPG. Like, I'll end up at the end of the game with, like, 9999 and fucking everything, and I've never used a single one. Um, and that applied for the first one. Like, I only used items at the very beginning of the game when you had no healing runes. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, that's the same for here. As soon as you get the bright shield rune and you get the ability to heal off of it, then you're pretty set. And that's like you may want some stuff in the inventory in case you run out of uses mm-hmm. for some reason, but you don't ever need to equip anything. To yeah, that's, that's definitely something that felt 
uh, weird about this game to me in which the main protagonist is essentially like the party healer all the time. Um, you, you take, I mean, he's good at everything, but his bright shield rune is so effective at keeping the party healed, um, and by enabling Berserk with Battle Oath, that that's all you really end up using him for, uh, cause I put, ma you know, you get the magic draining rune, which you attach to his weapon, and you've got, in like, infinite healing, and infinite good healing, too, so... I don't yeah, know. you don't even need like status curables anymore because his first thing just heals the status. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It felt like that. I don't know if I necessarily call that a bonus to me because, like, again, it trivialized a lot of things to me. Like, I think there would have been more challenge in the game if. Like, if you gotten the black sword instead of the bright shield. Yeah, maybe, maybe, but then I guess that would be too tropey for like the series for the main protagonist to have like this this dark rune you know like i don't know i guess they felt like they had to not do the same thing as the first one yeah so um i can understand why well it reflects the character's personalities better too yeah and i i, I agree and it sort of fits the story too and we'll get to sort of that in a minute now uh Another thing I also liked about this game is because, I mean, you had the ability in the first one to attach runes to your weapon, right? And you, of course, can do that again in this series, but it gives uh, you... To a degree. Like, you had you could attach shards, but actual runes. Well, yeah, you, you you know what I mean. Like, you could, you could impugn magical properties to your weapon in the first game. You can do that again in this one, but in this one, there are, there are ones that are specifically used on your weapons. There are some that are hybrids you can do with both, but it tells you at the blacksmith what effect it's going to give you when you put that on your weapon, unlike the first game, which doesn't tell you. You can just only assume putting a, a fire shard gives you fire, you know, type damage and a lightning shard only gives you lightning type damage but in this one like attaching wind rune gives you a three percent chance to repel magic um fire runes like what 25 percent of the damage is dealt as fire damage uh so on and so forth and it tells you up front uh and we have a couple unique ones that you can only put on there like the ones that cause knockdown or poison or um unbalance which is extremely powerful and then one i found incredibly useful towards the end of the game is the kindness rune which uh, increases the attack of the weapon based on the number of stars of destiny you have recruited and your time spent with the character i believe it's a really complicated rune all i know is i had it on uh nami nami until like you know shit goes down and it sort of kept her attack on par with the heroes if not better most times so um uh the yeah, the kindness rune is kind of weird because you only get you only get bonuses for it. Mm -hmm. Like you get plus one attack for every arrow the characters in your party, mm -hmm. and every time you use a stat stone on them, they get another plus one for the kindness rune. But then if they finish a battle with them unconscious, you lose a point. Mm -hmm. And there's a way you can like gl glitch it sort of. Mm -hmm. um, like if your character's attack value is um, like really low or something like that, and then you make it the minimum on um, like you minimize it as much as you can it'll reset the attack like counter oh so like, like you let them die it overflow oh so like if you let them die it doesn't have like a check to see if it's in zero like it just it flops back up to the maximum charge on the kindness rune is what you're telling well, me no it goes it 
because you have negative effects. Like it starts at zero, uh-huh. you either go max to one twenty seven or minimum to negative one twenty seven. And if their attack is low enough or something like that, like um, if it's if you're detracting from that, it reverts it to at the top of the list. Okay. So it's like once it passes zero, it hits nine 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 and goes down from there. Okay, so the kindness rune bonus is can go negative, but your the character's actual stat value for attack can't go negative. So if let's say the character has 126 attack and the kindness rune has negative 127, boom, you're at 999 attack. Is that what you're telling me? Kinda? Yes, okay. something like that. Well, that's weird. Well, good to know. Um, I mean, in addition to those, it, the we have a castle again in which we recruit characters. Now, I felt like we got the the castle or the stronghold a little late in this game. How about you guys? Considering that that was probably my favorite part of this game, I, I would have liked it, like, right off the bat, but... I mean, I don't know. Like, it it felt like I waited a long time for, for the castle. Because in the first one, you have it really fast, at least from recollection. But then again, the first game's not that long. Um, and I'm trying to remember how long it takes to get the strongholds in other games in the series, but I'm drawing a plank. Uh, Nick, how do you feel like it's average for the series? About you know, I'd, uh, maybe it was like 10, 12 hours in. To Dude, get the if castle? you if you're worried that you took too long to get the castle in this game, like I, you borrowed Sweet and Fine, right? Yeah, beat it. Remember how long that took? That took like because you have like tw- 10 hours, 12 hours of the prologue, pretty much of the game. Yeah. And then, then you're walking around for another like 10, 20 hours, and then you find the castle. Like, so it feels like in each Sweden game, it continuously gets longer and longer before you actually get to the whole headquarters, castle building, army I building think, thing. I didn't think 4 was that long. Um, 4 is actually pretty quick, because, like, you're, you're well, doing... your boat. Yeah, because, I mean, you do, you do a little bit um, in the beginning, but as soon as, like, shit really hits the fan and you got to get out of Dodge and, like, they all bust the, the boat out the, the cliffside thing, I feel like that took place really early. Um, maybe. Like, I haven't played it in a while, but I know you, like, you start off the game and then pirates attack, and then you get shipwrecked on the island, mm-hmm. and you can get game over there if you don't build the ship or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get saved or something like that, and you go to Lino and Kuldiz's island. And you go through a dungeon there, and then I think you get the ship. Yeah, and that seems... I don't know. But four's, four's a weird beast. We'll get to it eventually. Um, I don't know. It just felt like a long time. Maybe it's because I, I, I did sacrifice quite a bit of time like farming fucking rare drops, which is one of my problems in this game. It's just so much is just rare drops on mobs. Like, if you want to get 100% on this completion completion of this game, it's prepared to spend 20 hours just mindlessly butchering some monster to get some window set or some recipe, because God fucking forbid that there's shit that's not a rare drop or a rare find in a shop, because holy crap, the, almost everything is, I felt like. Except for, I mean, with the exception of stuff to recruit characters, I mean, like, of course, window sets or, or sound sets can be rare drops or rare finds. Um, there was no real, like, uh, in the first one where you had to get that special urn to drop, there's not really, um, there's alternative ways of getting that in this game to recruit that character. Um, so each their own uh we'll also do a follow just like we did in the first so game we'll also do a follow-up mini episode that ended up actually not being that many but an additional 
extra episode on how to get all 108 stars of Destiny acquiring the good ending. We'll also cover some of the extra characters that are not um, stars of Destiny because there are a few in this game, which is kind of cool. And uh, as far as characters and that sort of stuff goes in this game, we also got introduced to... uh, did we have beast characters in the first one? I don't think we did. Is... Mm, unless you count Fusulu. Fusu. Well, yeah, but he still had a weapon. You could, you know, you would go to the blacksmith and increase. You know. Well, I meant like because he's he's the big hulking guy. No, I get... like a tiger. Well, I'm talking about like is because no, I mean there's you... no beast characters. Yeah, you have Shiro. You have the uh, the monkey people. Then you have uh, Siegfried. The three Kraken and then Feather, right? The monkey people. Not monkey people, squir- squirrel people, squirrel people. The flying squirrels. Miku Miku and uh, Mikau, yeah, the whole Mikau, gang. yeah, the whole fucking gang. Um, which early on are extremely powerful. Like, I used Shiro for a long time. Like, I put a warrior rune on that bitch and he was hitting for like 300 damage before I didn't even know that was a number I could make up. So, um, because they're like, there are weird patches in uh progression in this game like especially with your weapon because it felt like in the first game we were constantly recruiting new blacksmiths for our headquarters and so you like you had this constant accrual rate of being able to like okay now i have the next step blacksmith that i can do two extra levels this time it felt like um it's really steady up front and then you're stuck at eight until all of a sudden the guy in couscous can make you 11 out of nowhere and then out of nowhere you got a guy in another village that can make you uh 13 or 12 or whatever like it felt like it would like because uh your blacksmith's like your hundredth character you recruit which felt totally weird to me but i don't know that's to each their own i guess uh with the max weapon level being 14 similar to the first one but since there are those stop gaps in um that increase in attack, like uh, especially characters like Shiro, they he felt he filled that nice nicely because you know uh, the beast characters they don't have a weapon that you have to upgrade a blacksmith. It just upgrades as they level their uh, weapon attack increases as they level, which is nice. Um, so um, one of the major changes from the first one to the second one is the change in the battle system, the army battle system. So just like the first one, we have three battle types so you have your normal party battle so like this is your random encounters blah 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 um and your typical fare and then you have your duels which still are sort of like a rock paper scissors right where they're they're going to say a thing that sort sort of indicates what attack they're going to make but not really and you sort of have to respond to that and again this this game more so than like I don't felt like I didn't I never felt like in the later uh titles in the series I had I felt the need to reference like a guide for the duels because I always felt like you could sort of roughly tell like after one or two attacks you could sort of tell their attitude towards one of the three in this one it feels like everything they're saying is the same especially when you duel Luca like it's all the fucking thing same like because he's a fucking crazy psychopath I guess, but I, I mean, all of them felt almost the same. Like, they're all sort of the same. I don't know. Uh, don't get me wrong, I like the three battle tier. Like, I think it's it's cool and it serves a purpose there. Uh, 
the now the biggest change comes to the army battle system because it is way different than the first one. The first one was it is way better. It is way better. It was it, the first one was a very rock paper scissors similar to the duel. This one it is grid based, tactical based. You have armies. You have uh, certain units that function as leaders of armies. You can then put your Stars of Destiny under those people's command, giving that unit on the battlefield certain traits or abilities. And it functions like a tactical-based thing where they move around, they attack. Um, each unit has effectively two health. You know, So once they get two little dings against them, the unit gets taken out of battle. Um, there are a lot of... Of, I felt like there were a lot of army battles in this game, even though most of them are towards the end. You don't get the first one that you're actually can fully controlling the outcome of until maybe halfway through the game. And then it's sort of like towards the end of the game, they're like, boom, 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 boom. Um, but then again, to be fair, that's once you've amassed an like in the point in the story, once you've amassed an army and it's time to sort of like use that army to do things. So, um, that was it was appropriate that most of them came later, but what also makes sense with the storyline. Like you yeah. can't have army battles other army. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I just said. Yeah. You know. Well so, no, you were like, never mind, just never mind. Okay. Whatever. All right. Um But yeah, I I felt like it was a major improvement. What about you guys? Did you guys like, hate, enjoy, splooge all over the Had new the entire game been the then been army battles, I would have played the shit out of it. I don't know, they go a little slow for that. But what about you, Nick? Um, I thought it was a huge improvement over the first one, and it's always enjoyable. It's probably my favorite battle system besides Suikoden 5. Mm-hmm. Well, Suikoden uh, 5 is almost identical, isn't it? Exactly, that's why. It's just real-time, not yeah. turn-based. Yeah. And um, like it's it's nice to not have to feel like you are playing a guessing game anymore. Mm-hmm. Like Because in the first one, it, you're like it's like... It's pretty much rock, paper, scissors, and you have nothing, like, no clue to go on for any options yeah. to pick, except when you have the thief for the ninjas. Yeah. And then you fuck up once, and you run a really really high risk of having a character die, and you have to start the whole thing all over again. Yeah. Well, to be fair, there's also a really high likelihood of th- uh, characters dying in this one if uh, if an entire unit gets taken out. Yes, but it's, a, it's pretty much your fault if that happens. In the yeah. first one, it's not, because it's yeah. pretty much luck. Yeah, except for the number of times I watched Ridley fucking fall off the battlefield. is like, Christ. Even though you can let him die, but we'll get to that later. Um, yeah, uh, this is a pretty long game. I think my ending game time was something like 52 hours, which is a lot of game to get in in a month, guys. Uh, what the fuck are you doing? I did a lot of farming. for. I completed 100%, Nick. Like I had all the items, and a lot of it took... Did you get the Clive things? No, I missed those. Then that's not one hundred percent, yo. I well, you can't do it all. Sure, you can. No, because you run out of time, like farming. I shit. did it. Like it took, like it literally would take me two and a half to three hours of fighting shit to get some of those fucking patterns to drop. I'm not even lying. Like you go back afterwards after you beat the game. Some of them, well, I guess you could, but like I didn't feel like that was an option to me. I don't know, and like I missed out, like I missed out on the first Clive uh, event really early. Because I didn't, like, I wasn't told up front there was, like, time story event, right? Because I wasn't used to there being a time story event thing to do. So once I sort of was like, oh, I've got 30 minutes in which to complete an hour and a half worth of gameplay to see one event 
I really, I was like, I can just watch it later. Like, the Clive thing, I know I missed. So, I mean, that's probably the one thing I missed. But I had, I had like, a 50-hour game time by the time I was done. So, I mean, it's... I mean, all in all, if I hadn't done that, it'd probably been closer to a 40-hour game time, I'd say, is probably fair. Right? Would you say it's fair, 40 hours? Um, if it's your first time playing it. Yeah, I mean... That's, oh my god! How long does it take you to beat it? Twenty, if that. That's ridiculous. Like that's not even no. Uh uh-uh. uh no. Call it's the me. same time as the first one. No, it is much longer than the first one. It is so much longer than the first one. You are insane. If you just dick around, I guess. Not even if you dick See, around. It is so much longer you, than the first game. You legit get to run everywhere without having to have a holy ruin anymore. Yeah. That cuts the time down by at least half. I, I still think you're wrong. Like, there's no way it's it's the same length as the first game. Not even by a stretch of imagination. And we'll we'll know when we get to the story. Because the first, the first one's story, we were like, boom, boom, boom. Like, that's the end of the fucking story. Like, there's a lot of shit that happens in this game. There's a lot of, like, having to go from your room to talk to somebody back to your room. In this one, for for real. That's a lot. Yeah, that was annoying. There's a lot of that. Um so, I mean, I, then I guess the point's moot. I guess you didn't think the game was absurdly long. Uh, I wouldn't say it was absurdly long. That's that's the wrong word to use. I would just say I'm, it probably could have been condensed a little more. I think some of it could have been taken out. I think it's an appropriate length. Of course you do. Uh, how about you, Glenn? You think it's too long? I think if you do all of the side content, then this game gets ridiculously incredibly long. But if you're trying to just go through it relatively quick... I'd say it's about the same as the first one. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Like, like what some, is this? Because I didn't, I didn't have any interest in doing any of the side content except the army battles. And I spent, I don't know the exact time, but I'd say around 30 hours. Oh, my God. What is this disparaging side content? Like, I'm not disparaging side content at, at all. I want, this was? If, the, if there's a game with side content, at least for this show, I'm going to try and complete it. Like, because I don't feel like I have a full understanding of everything in the game without trying to do side some of the side content. Um, with the exception of games like Arcanum, in which the entire game is side content, I can't spend 130 hours exploring all the shit in that world. So, um, But I would say this game is sort of like that that right on that, that border of a game between a one-month review and a two-month review. You know, if you say what, if you understand what I'm saying, like anything too much longer than this game, we would have to like split it up, you know, like or just you know have to have wait a too part much. One part two. Well, I don't even know if part one, part two. I think we just have to wait two months for the review because it would take that long to beat the game. Like, yeah. I was I was coming in on the deadline on this one, like, whew. but uh, so I mean, I think the length of the game is fair, uh. Other than some weird tedium, uh, there's a lot. Of, there is some tedium in some of the quests, um, and a, there's a lot of rare drops. So I mean, you know, and I don't have anything against rare drops. It just I wish some of those had not been rare drops. <laughs> like there would, I just felt like there was an abundance of places where I had to stop and farm for stuff. So, um, but now that we've finished sort of discussing gameplay. How do you get, uh, what score would you give gameplay, Nick? Six out of five. So five, okay. 
Uh, I'm not even going to ask. Just Glenn, what score would you give gameplay? Um, if it wasn't for the army battle system, I'd honestly give it a two. It just wasn't all that terribly exciting for me. But I really like the army battle system, so it's going to get a three. All right, and I gave it a four and a half. Um, I think that's the same score I gave the first one. I don't know. Um, generally, I'll have to look back. I may adjust my score. But as far as gameplay goes, I would probably give it a half rank over what I gave the first one. Um, I should probably look up what I gave the first one, but I'm not doing that right now. So my gameplay score is 0.5 higher than whatever I gave the first one. Right yeah, it's now. odd to me because Glenn gave the first one like a four. Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe I burned out. I burned out on Suicoden. Suicoden. All right. Uh, talking about doing racist noises. Now, like, I don't know. Like, I gave it a. Uh, right now, it's tentatively a four and a half. It's like, see what I gave it the first one because it does expand on the first one. It's way better than the first one. And I said this sort of off microphone to both. Uh, Glenn and Nick that I feel like this game really makes the first one feel like a Super Nintendo or Sega Genesis game like um, playing this I, I can one, see where you're coming from, from playing that. playing this one where everything is so expanded the graphics and are just so much more polished that it really just made the first one feel like a last gen game when it wasn't so um, bravo to that there so we can now this story is a little more complex than the first one, to be fair. Would you guys agree? Definitely. Uh, so, essentially, the story begins with we have uh, our hero and his friend, uh, Joey, are members of the Highland... What is it? Juvenile... Yeah, uh, it's basically a small battalion of soldiers that are young boys, and uh, boy scouts with swords. Essentially, yeah, and uh, a bunch of stuff, sort of like political, blah blah blah, break a peace treaty, and um, people under the guise of the city state, right, attack the the camp, killing all the kids except for our hero and Joey, who managed to escape. Um, and that's where our story really takes off, where not long after that starts, I mean, of course, we have the um, the Chekhov's gun trope, in which Joey and our hero mark an X on the stone, because we all knew we could be coming back to that at some point. And they get jump into the river, go down where our hero runs into our heroes, our friends from the first game, Victor and Flick. Guess what? They survived the crumbling castle disaster. Who would have guessed it? And uh, they're sort of currently leading this mercenary band of um, of soldiers that are sort of like working with um, the mayor of of Muse, Annabelle, right? Was her name? If I remember correctly. And you sort of do a bunch of stuff for them. Sort of, you get a better idea of what the Highland Army's doing. You learn that they're under the the command of Prince Luca Blight, who is a crazy, psychotic son of a bitch. Like, this guy is almost Kefka-level insane. And if he wanted to, like, literally rip the Earth into pieces, then I think that's the only way he could have been more villainous because he was just so purely over-the-top insane and, and evil. Um, but he makes a good villain, and sort of you keep, you know, you're going through, going through, doing, you know, sort of your mercenary chore work and that sort of thing. 
spying on the Highland Army and all that jazz. And at some point, our hero and his friend end up with two pieces of the is it uh, the a true rune. Now I forget what the actual true rune is called. No, because there's the bright shield rune and the dark sword rune that are two parts of the true rune. Did they give the name to the true rune there, Nick? It's rune of beginning. Rune of beginning. There it is. Um, and sort of one is meant to it's the to shield allies, and the other one's like the attack. And they're supposed to be an eternal conflict because I mean we we did, we find that our hero's adopted grandfather or father um, had the bright shield rune back in the day and his friend um that he served together with in the uh so he had a friend or a counterpart from the opposite army so like his his father jinkaku served the state army and his friend han cunningham served the the Highland Army, and they were sort of friends, and they refused to, like, fight, and they brought, brought the peace treaty, and blah, 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 and then he was sort of cast out as a traitor for refusing to duel and end the war, like, to take his, to fight his friend, because he was informed that his own, very own blade had been poisoned, and if he did duel his friend, whether it was intended to be to the death or not, he would have killed him, so he refused to fight, and dishonored himself and his family in the process and sort of this is where our hero and his sister nanami learn to fight like they learn it from jinkaku and who is apparently a somewhat revered slash not name around um the city states or the the state uh because in the process of meeting annabelle it's sort of what gets us in the door a couple times where is really you mean you're the son of Gunkaku and you know it gets you in and but the story really takes a turn in which out of seemingly out of nowhere there are think there are events that happen that sort of um give joey this sort of disdain for what is happening and sort of give him this warped picture of what the world is and mostly through the death of a lot of people he's met and like the like there's like two villages that just wiped off the map like super early you know like they just get burnt up and um seemingly out of nowhere he assassinates lady annabelle the mayor of muse and this is sort of where the overall theme of this story takes hold of sort of like friendship what what is like what betrayal is too strong to break like this what is supposed to be this destined friendship these two bears of like parts of the true rune that are intended to be friends and enemies sort of thing it wasn't a it wasn't just out of nowhere well all right it wasn't he got sent to he got sent to spy on the on the army got captured and they convinced him to assassinate annabelle well, I don't think they convinced him. I think he sort of like came to the because I don't remember like it ever being personally. Said. Like I feel like he was like, "All right, this is I can work from the inside of this place, take this place over, yeah. and that's how we'll stop the war." Yeah, like I think he came to that conclusion before like anything came about the, for the assassination of Annabelle. Right? Like I think he sort of came up with the idea that hey, maybe the best way to end this is for. Like, he sees a clear line to eliminate the evil and sort of, not necessarily the right way, bring peace to the land, right? 
And so I think perhaps he said, you know what, you let me go back and I can get in there and I can assassinate her. You know, like maybe it was his idea. Cause I mean, instead of them, if, cause if I think if they had just told him to do it and he agreed, he would have just been, came, he would have just came back and that would have been the end of it. But when he comes back, he's a fucking general. So that's why I think it's, it was his, it was idea. his idea. All right. Makes sense. So, um, that's sort of where it happens. So as Joey sort of takes off and starts to work his way through the ranks of the Highland Army, our, we find our hero um, sort of almost half-framed in sort of what happens in Muse as the Highland Army comes out, take, comes in and captures Muse, and they're forced to run again because this is like the third or fourth time they've had to run. And... At this point, we run into our friend Necklord again, right? This is where we run into Necklord again. And this time, though, we sort of we sort of deal with the him the first time because we actually have to deal with him twice in this game. The first time we sort of deal with him rather relatively quickly, and we take over his castle. Voila, we have our headquarters, and. This headquarters is large. Like it was way bigger than the the one in the first one. Like it took it took a little getting around for me to really figure out where everything was, especially since the fucking port is in such a weird place. That is such a weird place to put a port. Like I don't know. Like having to go into the basement almost to find the port is weird. Yeah. But um from there sort of this is where the sort of uh I would say the bulk of most Soikoden stories take over where it sort of becomes this uh, halfway trying to survive, halfway trying to recruit forces to, you know, amass against um, the Highland Army. And, you know, because early on, we sort of warn everyone of what Highland's intentions are and like so like the Knights of Matilda, South Window, all these other cities in the state sort of say, ah bah, I'm not helping you. Tough shit. And right before Highland attacks and takes over Muse. So it's sort of we have to one by one try and go convince them. All under the the hero's leadership and our strategist this time, where it was Matthew before, we have Shu. And Shu is the second trainee to Matthew, where Apple's the first. So Apple sort of starts off as our, our strategist, but she sort of fails poorly a couple times. So we were like, all right, we got to find somebody better than you, you piece of shit. Um, and we do. So it, it slowly recruit a strategist. Then we, recruit, you know, we start recruiting people. We help people in, you know, um, all over the place from we got like Two River, Lake West, uh, South Window, all these sort of things. And through the course of that, we slowly get the picture of what Joey's doing. He's he's step by step proving himself to be a worthy general in the army of Highland. And he does things like he takes um, a ma- the major city of Greenhill with less than 5,000 soldiers by simply um, he lets go a bunch of prisoners of war to Greenhill but then surrounds them and they sort of starve themselves out and which is really dastardly and mostly ingenious and um 
so as he does that, like he sort of gets high enough to where he can sort of like have these one-on-one conversations with Luca, and he sort of. I forget what what did he trade him in partnership for um, being able to wed his sister? What did he give Luca for that? Do you remember? Uh, um, I don't remember. Well, he does something for Luca, and he asks in exchange to be able to marry his sister, and whatever it was, I, I think it was good enough that Luca agreed. Um, and so then, once that's been done, he also ha- oh, it's it's he comes up with the plan to uh to kill the king of highland so luca can become king i think is sort of the plan he had and so he sets that in place and essentially poisons the the king of highland luca takes over as the king and from there joey sets up for luca to be defeated by us he sort of plays us um where we're sort of pushed back to our stronghold and Luca plans a night raid in which um, a message is sent via the form of a captured Ridley to let us know that they're coming in the night and how to set up, you know, to essentially uh, surround and defeat Luca, in which we do. Um, there are a couple of interesting things that happen in there. Like, we get to split our party into three separate parties, which I really wish I had known that was coming. Because I definitely would have prepared a little better. Because that got a little rough there for a minute. Because that fucker attacks twice in a row, or like two or three. He attacked two or three times actually, and they hit hard. So uh, yeah, just, he is looking blight. So, so be prepared for that when you know it feels like you're getting ready to like fight Luca. Um, just you're going to get split into three parties. Your heroes be in charge of one. Victor in charge of one, and and. Uh, flick in charge of the other so just make sure you have at least what is that 18 people pretty well equipped like level like high high level 30s with decently you know upgraded weapons and runes and shit to go because you could get fucked up pretty easy because he's got like a lot of aoe attacks that'll do you know 100 to 200 damage per hit and at that level that's a lot so just you know, watch that one. Um, there's a there's a glitch you can do to make it so that uh, your hero is the only character that fights him, and he's in the back row, and Luca can't do anything because he doesn't have any programming to target the back row. Ah, that's pretty interesting. Well, I didn't do anything nearly that cheap. We'll cover that when we get to tips, tricks, and cheats. Um, and from there, sort of. Joey takes over as king, and we think that the war's over, right? Because Joey's the king of Highland now, and he sort of extends out and invites us to this um, this peace meeting or whatever. At which point, he basically tells us to surrender and give give up, so he can pull all of the state and all of Highland under one banner to stop the fighting. And we're basically like, no fucking way, Jose. You're outside your brain. Not gonna happen. Um, at which point, uh, like somebody comes in and uses a small girl as a distraction to enable us to escape, which is kind of fucked up. Um, but uh, and then from that point on, we're sort of uh, that's when we become on the offensive with our army. Really, is when we start going and you know, forcing him back out of Highland by attacking and capturing key points and um, 
to ultimately fight him in uh oh, what is the name of that city it's like Le, Le Rene- i can never do the, the Lenoir or something yeah where you fight him where he because at this point he is he has both the black sword rune and the true beast rune which is sort of what what luca's source of power was um because he kind of he kind of sacrifices all like somewhere in the middle of the game sacrifices the entirety of the citizenship of muse which is one of the largest cities in the state to to the beast rune which is kind of fucked up um also we fight necklord in there because necklord feels like the most non sequitur ever and he keeps showing up in these games where he is i don't know why we keep space flee from nowhere I, I have no idea why we why we fight him. Like, why? Why is it so important? I mean, we find out a little more about him and where he got his night rune. We meet the person he stole it from. You know, we sort of defeat him for good. Or do we? And, um, yeah, and we basically, this final showdown, and the last boss is, of course, the, the, true, the true beast sort of Joey uh, activates the rune, and it... Um, we have to fight it. I mean, it wasn't that hard of a fight. I, I didn't find too many of the, the boss battles in this game to be too difficult. Um, if I had been a little more prepared for the boss fights with Luca, I think they wouldn't have been as hard. Did you guys have any troubles in any boss fights? I mean, um, the, 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 wrong person. the bone dragon, I guess, was could have been a little more difficult. But uh, I think... oh. The only time I ever had a game over was when I fought Necklord, but that's because I made the mistake of using uh, the final, uh, the 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 ultimate on the blue gate rune right before, because I didn't realize he attacked, like, all of his attacks basically hit everybody. Because up until this point, Luke always went before my hero, right? So he would use the blue gate rune my hero would use battle oath berserk everybody and heal the damage from the blue gate rune and you know netting like 1200 damage on a boss but at this point my hero had passed him on speed so like my hero like i see my like at the bright rune come up i'm like no 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 <laughs> and so he like uses battle oath and then like i get hit with like 400 damage per person nearly wipe out my entire fucking party with goddamn blue gate rune nice I was like, oh, no, no, but so, uh, yeah, I mean, it was what it was, but I moved on. Most everything else was pretty easy. Um, it was fun fighting a lot of those undead when we we're fighting Necklord because I had the, uh, I had a fire rune on Victor's weapon plus double beat. So like he would take out like three zombies in one go. Because there's just like 1,200 damage, 1,200 damage, 1,200 damage. Like, he was critting for somewhere around 5,000 damage if he'd crit. It was absurd. I couldn't. I just couldn't. It was gross. So, that was um, pretty fucked up. It was, it was amazing. It was the it was the funniest thing to watch. Because, like, some of my other heroes getting hit kind of hard and just, like, I mean, they're they're moderately difficult enemies. They're not entire, that difficult. But he just, he just murder them. Just, like, nope. Just like man, I was like Victor's pissed. <laughs> like he really doesn't like undead things, does he? So, um, did you have any difficulties with any bosses, Glenn? Um, not terribly. Honestly, I found the duels harder than some of them because I just wasn't paying attention at first, so I didn't get the right uh, keybinds. But I, honestly, this game was fairly easy. Like 
I maybe had to save once or twice and go back where I just didn't do something right. But most of the battles, I just kind of mindlessly mashed A. Oh, and when we were covering story, we sort of like missed the point in which uh, Nami Nami takes an arrow, and uh, our doctor claims he could not save her. So that's just a thing. Was it to the knee? Oh dear God! I could have went like another year without that that fucking reference. Thank you yep, very much. I'm here to please. So, um, Nami Nami gets taken out, and we sort of go, we fight the the true beast, and this is sort of where we get to view one of the endings of this game. How many total endings are there, Nick? Is it four? Three or four? Um, are you counting, like, the game over endings? Yeah, well, yeah. Let's just say, yeah. Because, I mean, you can get game over, like, so many times. Like, early on in the game and everything, too. Like, if you stop, like, you're like, oh, I don't want to fight or whatever like that, you get game over. Yeah, because early, uh, in ten- when you're in Tento Village, Nami Nami comes to you and asks you if you want to just leave. And you can. You can say yes, and you can go off, and in- the game ends there. Um, you can... Well, the stuff that happens. Like, yeah. you have a couple opportunities. Like, people die, and they're like... And she's yeah. like, you still want to leave? We don't have to do this anymore. And then you're like... Well, people just died because I left. But yeah, let's keep going anyway. Yeah, so like Ridley's the first, like Ridley dies in battle, and you sort of like you get the choice to come back. Then um, it doesn't lock you out of all 108 stars. Like it doesn't lock you into the bad ending at that point because his son Boris takes over as that star. So I mean, kind of makes you a bit of a bit of a bitch. So I advise against it. I don't know. Like it made me uncomfortable. Like to take that choice. I was like, nah, I'm just gonna stick around. Um, the sun looks cooler than he does. I'm sure, but I mean, whatever. Like, I've never personally done it, but like, like that's the first time I heard heard about it the first time like, a couple years ago, and I was like, "Wait, what?" And so I looked it up, but I still I don't have the balls to do it. Yeah, I know. Like, it feels like such a douchey thing to do. I don't know. What does he look like? I don't even. Oh yeah, he's sort like of like a... he's like a like a like a. Oh, he's like a uh, like a Irish wolfhound almost. Like he's got lo- like the long hair, ears, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I think uh, Ripley looks cooler. Like the Doberman look is is pretty rad. And we completely glazed over the uh, whatever sexual favor happened early in the game to get past that guard. Was it? I was oh, the only yeah. person that was completely taken aback by that. I was not ready for. She's it makes like, me laugh. she's like, you guys just stay here. Like she just walks off screen with the guard, and then when. Obviously, Nami Nami doesn't get what happens because she tries it later and this gets thrown out. Like, she doesn't have any idea. It's fucking great. Oh, my God. Are you, are you saying Nami Nami? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It's Nanami. Nanami. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Nanami. It does because it's, it's weird. Whatever. Nami. Yeah, it's probably Nanami. Whatever. I Whatever. You know like what? Konami. Nanami. Oh, now I get the the connection, Nanami. Uh, so, and then the other ending is basically when we come back from fighting Joey, they ask you if you want to lead the new state, and you say yes, and that's basically the default ending, right? Um, yep. Because that's where it ends. You sort of it goes through your leadership, what happens to all the stars you recruited, blah, 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 blah. Um, the next option is to say no, okay? And 
which point you um, start to make your way back to where you and Joey marked that X on that stone. Remember that? That 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 uh, Chekhov's gun. We saw it, so we got to come back to it. It's got to come into play. And we go back to it, and you run into Joey, and you sort of have a few things you can do here. Up front, you can you can duel him, you can kill him, or defeat him and take his rune. And then you, you go back to lead the country. And you go back to lead the country. That's that's one ending. Uh, at which the very end, you sort of get like a freeze frame of like a, like what it could have been. You know, where it's like, I think it's Nanami and Joey and you underneath the tree or whatever. Um, the other option is to refuse to duel him. Well, you eventually end up in the duel, but you refuse to fight him. So, like, when you end up in the duel, you just click defend, 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 defend. Um, and, like, he keeps pursuing you and wanting you to fight him, but you don't. You just defend, defend, defend. And you choose not to take the rune from him when he exhausts himself. And he sort of agrees to, you know, you guys should be friends and you should go start a new life or whatever. And if you choose that option and you're on your way out, guess what? We run into Nanami. She actually decided to not die or and not tell you about it for whatever reason. And then you go off and you'd be happy as that's the good ending. So, um, but yeah, those are your endings. I mean, how do we feel about, like, games like this having multiple endings? Are we okay with that? Or is it sort of like, you know, jip somebody out that didn't know how to get, you know, the window guy or um, one of the more arduous recruitments? Um, does it feel too punishing to not get the 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 happy, I want to say happy ending, the, the good ending, the golden golden ending? I don't think I, so. I, I think it is like to me, especially like you don't want to require someone to have to use a walkthrough just to get the good ending. Well, I didn't like, think that drives me crazy. I didn't think it required too much of a walkthrough. Um, I think that this one more so than some of the other titles in the series that I I think I could have gotten most of the recruitments without without um without a guide. There would have been one or two that probably would have been tricky. Um, there, uh, what is the guy's name? Is it Richard, the spy or the PI? Like he's pretty good about getting you information as far as um, tips on new recruits. Um, like I don't know. I think I'm okay with it. Like, uh, just lots of games have multiple endings, so I feel like this one. Is a, these series are allowed to have multiple endings when I only really have a problem when like one of the endings is a real downer like cause say this one like both the like the the default ending is a very satisfying ending you know cause you go on to lead the state like you are now in charge like you have brought peace to the land it's, it's you know it's sad we lost people along the way blah 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 but it is a satisfying ending I only really think I would draw the line when the de- like the it ends on a down note. Like 
the emphasis is not on the fact that the, you've brought peace to the land, but the emphasis becomes on the fact that, you know, you lost your friend and your sister, which I don't feel like they emphasize that in the default ending. You feel me? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I, I think I'm okay with it. I don't think it's particularly egregious in this this title i because i mean i go into these with an expectation that there are like a lot of things to do and i feel i find it more as uh the the extra special endings as more as a reward for putting in the time and effort to find everything instead of a punishment to those who don't because i mean you gotta give something a little something extra to somebody who finds everything you know so um there's I that. just feel that could have been like maybe tacked on or something extra funny instead of being the determining factor for the best ending. Um, I don't think it's necessarily that, but my point is I don't think it's the best ending. Like, I think it's super cheesy and over the top. I think the more realistic and satisfying ending is the one where the hero takes over the state and moves on to be a great leader. This one is That's sort of like he, 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 uh, he abandons all these people he brought together to run off with his friend that betrayed him and tried to kill him and his sister who almost died and then lied about surviving. Like, I feel like the best ending is actually a bit of a cop out and a bit like, it's almost like on the nose, like, ha ha ha. We tied everything up for you because you did all the extra things. See, I have to have to disagree with you. I feel like the ending goes towards what the characters have wanted since the beginning of the game. Like none of them wanted to be in the war. None of them wanted to fight. Like he was just taken by destiny and forced into that role. And the whole time, like even when you have the option to run away, like it's that's that's giving you hints that yeah, he doesn't actually want to be there. Like you can make like you you make the hard decision to stay even though the Nami doesn't want you to, because you know, well, shit, if I leave now, shit's going to hit the fan, and they need me, and I'm already stuck in this, I have to see it through. But he's, I never got the feeling the whole time I was playing the game that he wanted to be doing any of that. Yeah, I guess, but I mean, and it's fine. I, I don't know, I just feel like, sometimes, like, I don't know, I guess it's the responsibility versus desire thing. I mean, I don't know, like, I've, I feel like he's sort of I don't know, he I don't know if he owed the people like to stick around, but it just like the way you leave it. Like when you say no and you just walk off to find Joey, like it's sort of like a real like I'm done, fuck you guys, I'm leaving. Right? Like it wasn't I don't know, it didn't it felt really just like hollow and empty. Well, he's kind of a teenager, right? Like he's not an adult like mature he's like y'all made me fight in this day and more i won y'all this kingdom this is what y'all wanted i'm done i'm leaving this shit i'm done i guess i don't know i i to me that feels like i don't know like he's not even qualified to run a country like he's just some kid that knows how to fight obviously he was qualified enough to lead a army uh i would say that he was the like the puppet on the throne. Yeah, but most times that's, what, that's, that's the way it is in these Sorkin games. They're like the real leader is whoever your strategist is. Exactly. So, um, but I mean, it's fine. Like I, I, I feel like both are acceptable endings. 
or all of them are acceptable endings. Like, I don't know. Personally, I wanted to kill Joey and just fucking end it there, but I was like, nah, I gotta get my sister back, so I best, you know, not kill him. So, um... Because, I mean, he was a bit of a dick there for a while, you know? He tried to get me killed and shit. So, I mean... Well, I don't feel like you'd be... You have something in common with Joey as a character. What's that? Because you're a dick a lot of the time. I'm not a dick a lot of the time. I'm a dick all the time. I'm closer to... I don't know. But, uh, like... How about Joey's name being spelt differently the last half of the game? Did that bother anybody else but me? Or am I the only it's one that knows? It's identity. Because, like, after... I'd say, like, just about the time uh, you're, you defeat Necklord, they start spelling it J-O-I-E. Like, there's multiple times that it was spelt that way, and I'm like, oh, translation errors. That's great. It's really fucking smooth. Yeah, they probably had somebody, like, switch out halfway through with some bullshit. Yeah, so... But, um... So, now we score it. <laughs> How do we feel about the story of this game? Nick, what did you give it? Obviously a six. A five, okay. Uh, I gave it a... Uh, I'm gonna give it a... I think I'll give it a five. Like, I really... I was really drawn in to it. Um, the Sokina games are always... Like, I always appreciate the fact that they are... They're, they're political pieces. With they, ha- they always have this magical true rune backdrop, but they're almost always... Like, it is amazing how you have this world-ending power in the hands of the, like, the main uh, protagonist and the main antagonist, but their goal is almost never to end the world. It's just to take over some piece of land somewhere, and I always find that so interesting that... Um, they don't take the obvious route for villains, right? The obvious route for villains is always sort of like the Final Fantasy style where they just want it, they want to end all life everywhere. But um, in Soyuken games, their, their um, motivations are much more, uh, they're less... Well, I feel like... Yeah, like they're more, they're more just like, they're, they're very selfish, right? They, they're very materialistic. In nature, well, almost. I feel like... Or nihilistic. The way that they write... the All the characters in Suikoda Games are, like, people with actual motivations. Yeah, and that... Because... I, yeah. Like, you, you're you're saying that, like, the characters have these world-ending powers, but they don't want destroy the world. It's because they understand that if there's no world to destroy... If there's a world that they destroy, then that's it for them, too. Like... Yeah. And that I'm, that's why I appreciate the stories in Soikin games because other games like they always have the insane enemy or antagonist that their goal is to destroy the world and it never makes sense to me. Those things never make sense to me. So um, I always like because even when we're recruiting allies, they all have motivations, and that's the trick to recruiting them is you have to determine their motivation and motivate them to work with you. Um, Glenn, what did you give it? I gave it a one. I don't know if it's burnout. I know you guys are going to hate me for it, but I did not care anything about the story. I didn't care about the characters. I didn't care about what was going on. Just, it didn't interest me. I can't even handle this information right now. Like, are you just saying this to be, like, spiteful? No, no, I just... 
Objecti- like, I didn't care. Ob- objectively, you think the story is bad. Well, I guess, I mean, we've established the precedent that everything that happens here is subjective. Thanks, Nick. Um, no, I mean, that's fine. You want to give it a one, uh, you're wrong, but that's fine if that's the score you're going to give it. <laughs> this is like the best RPG on the PS PS1 right now. It's, oh my god. It's arguably the one of the best RPGs. Of the, I wouldn't say the best. It's definitely top three. So, uh... You guys might consider it for the JRPGs. I... I I don't like the story. I don't. I truly don't. I just can't even handle this right now. I think I think I need to take a nap after this. Like I, I don't know. What about you, Nick? Do you feel like you just need to take a nap? Like you've just been brutalized and just like, like I feel like hung out my brain. My brain just snapped. Like <laughs> I've I've never I've never had anybody that I've spoken to in my entire life who's played this game been like fucking yeah this shit sucked. So I'm just kind of like. I don't even know how to just perceive this information. <laughs> like, like you, you're entitled to your opinion, man. But holy shit, it's all right. He's wrong. We just move on. Like I hated Arcanum. And I, didn't, I didn't shit on it as much as you're shitting on this game. That's fine. That's fine. We just move on. All right. So visuals. Uh, the visuals were, in fact, you know, all the, everything sort of like concept art, everything by Fumi Ishikawa. Um, like I said earlier, compared to the first game, it makes it really look like a Super Nintendo game. The amount of animation and emotion they give to the sprites in this one compared to the first one is amazing. Like, it not just the main character, because in the first one, it's just a lot of the main character and a couple of the, like, second-tier characters get those sort of extra animations. A lot of characters in this game get special animations. Down to, like, some of the Unite attacks have, like, alternate animations like especially with the main hero and his sister like there's one where he just keeps attacking and she stops and has lunch and that makes me laugh every fucking time i see it like it makes me want to fucking stab her in the throat and i'm like bitch do some damage goddamn it and then like one of my favorite attack animations is uh is nina the little preppy girl you find in green hill like because her attack is basically she spins around with a, a a load of books until she gets dizzy i don't know like i really thought it was funny every fucking time like, it's so long, too. Like, other people are running up and attacking the mob she's standing in front of. Like, I don't know. Like, I really enjoyed it. And then a lot of the spells look really cool. Like, every last one of the spells on that blue gate rune looks amazing. And no one can tell me otherwise. Like, those shits look awesome. Uh, did you have anything visually that stood out to you, Glenn? Um... Like in the first one, the backgrounds were absolutely stunning. I really did like them. Um, character designs were also really good, as was the animations. Visually, I, I did enjoy this game. I thought it was visually very good. Uh, anything in particular that you um, didn't like, Glenn? Um, I mean, some of the enemies seemed a tad generic. Uh, eh. I don't know. It's just it for a PS One game. It's absolutely amazing. Okay. All right. Uh, what about you, Nick? Uh, anything in particular that really stood out to you? Other than um, all of it, let's 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 give a little breakdown, a little analysis here. Give me a little something to work with, buddy. Well, you know, like everything you just said, not to say it, but like everything about the game, oh, like God. it just it speaks to me. But right after like I the said things not to that say everything, he says everything. I don't even know what to do with this. Game. Whatever. You know what? I'm my own man. You can't control me. 
like my favorite I think my favorite things is like like you were saying each character has their like their own kind of unique animations mm-hmm. and I I appreciate it that looking at the game like they kind of, the characters look like they're alive as opposed to like in any other type of game like they have just kind of like this static pose or they're just kind of like moving wiggling a little bit on Bouncing the screen up and down yeah, like this, like each character looks like they're alive when they do their their animations or whatever. Like it, it flows great, um, and like it just looks gorgeous. It looks like, like you said, like the older game, Suikoden One, is um, like a, it's a game from like two generations ago. This one is brand spanking new, and it still holds up today. Like it's it's great. I think like the portraits look so much better. And I enjoy, like, that they kind of go with this style, like, towards the future. Like, this is a style they kind of keep. Um, yeah, it just, it's all good. Yeah, yeah. Anything that stood out as something you didn't particularly care for? Yeah, give me something, Nick. Give me something. Anything. Um, I guess by nature of it being sprite-based, sometimes when they zoom out or zoom in too close, like, everything starts getting blotchy. Okay, I'll take it. About it. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, I didn't care for some of the, uh, like I said, most of the spell effects were amazing. Some of the ones where they tried to give it like some sort of three dimensional scope, where, um, especially like the, like I can think of like the shadow bubbles, like things that form shadow bubbles, like kind of. That I didn't really care for how they 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 looked at times. Like it really sort of took me out of the the art of the 2d right because everything's 2d and sprite based and anytime they try to give something like a three-dimensional like element like it sort of took me out of what i was already used to as sort of jarring um and i didn't care for the aesthetic of the tento region like i don't know like everything was just too yellow for me so i mean that's being kind of nitpicky because i liked most of the other cities anytime we go to like uh like Anytime we do any of the Rose Knight aesthetics in the Soy Kidding games, I love it. Like, I don't know why I like those characters, mostly because, I guess maybe because they're really over the top and really dumb and most times really bad, um, even though they are they don't think they are. I, I sort of really enjoy that stuff, but the, the Tinto region in particular in this one I really wasn't a fan of. Um, so, now, uh, what... Uh, I'm still coming in good to you, right, Nick? Sound good? Yep. All right, good. It's just Glenn's internet again. All right. As far as visual score, what do you give it, Glenn? Uh, I gave it a 4.5. Uh, I, I, I do like it. It's a very, very pretty game. It's The animations were pretty good. The only real complaint I had was reused of some of the enemies. All right, all right. I'm going to give it a solid 5. Because I really enjoyed it. I thought the sprite work was gorgeous. A lot of the animations were fantastic. And, you know, just like Nick, I had to get real nitpicky to find something I didn't care for in the game. Um, The portraits were amazing. Uh, They even gave portraits to characters that weren't, like, recruited stars of destiny in this one. Which is always a plus. Um, And there there was a lot... Fucking really? Fucking motorcycle? What the shit? I I hate my neighbors. Um... And what I really liked is, especially in your castle, like it felt really alive, like a really thriving place to be. Really? That's fantastic. Um, because 
they get, they had so many varying like sprites for townsfolk, you know, like in the first one, you could really tell when someone was a special character. Like it took a while to get adjusted to the pure number of like townspeople sprites they had to really be able to pick out which people were, you know, like special or whatever. Um, and so like when you're walking around your castle, like there, it just looks like a bunch of different people instead of, you know, oh, look, there's 12 of Sprite A, three of Sprite B, seven of Sprite D and so on and so forth. Like it really gave it a an alive feeling. Uh, what about you, Nick? What do you give it? Six out of five. Come on. Oh, come on. Get this six out of five bullshit. See, this is what happens when you give everything fives, like, early on, really high scores, then you sort of run, like, you're like, oh, well, I'm giving it a five, but I gave this other thing a five, but this is better than the other thing I gave a five to, but I can't really give it a six. It's your fault. You trapped yourself. Look, no, I'm saying with this, it's hopefully it's coming across that this is, like, literally my favorite game ever. So right, well, we understand that it's, like, literally your favorite game ever. Go um, fuck yourself. Why? Why are you so mean right now? What I do to make you? Because you're mocking me. It's not very nice. When do I not mock you? Especially on this show. Like I mock you on this show all the time. I know. I guess I'm just testing. I'm still hurting over Glenn. Yeah, yeah, I know. You're you're a little. You you feel like you know someone came in. Like, like she your... just killed my cat. Well, no, else. it's like he came into your house. Like you had that special box of cereal. It's like your favorite cereal. It's the only cereal you like. And he came in and he ate all of your cereal and then said it tasted like shit and left. Is what basically no. what happened. I have pissed, to disagree with that. In the box. Well, I because don't that would be me taking it away from him. He is free to enjoy the game. It is in his taste. It is not in mine. This would be like me also getting a box of the cereal and not liking it. No, I don't think it compares. I think it compares. It's like it's like the cereal stopped him from committing suicide this one time, and then you told him it tasted like shit. I don't know. All right, music. Uh, created by Miki Higashino and Kiko Fukami. Uh, again, I don't know. This, this music felt very similar to the first one. There were more pieces, um, more, more music, um... I do, in fact, think it's better than the first one, but still not perfect to me. Like, a lot of the really pingy parts I'm not a fan of. Um, But none of it was really grating. Like, in the first one, I didn't really find any pieces where I was like, oh, God, no. Please turn it off now. So, um, I give it a... I'm going to give it a 4.5 because I can. Um... Nick, what about you? Is what is there any pieces in particular that you really enjoyed or pieces that you didn't like? Give me something. Like, all right. Um, the way I'm going to explain this is six, six out of five. We're just get it out of the way. Um, when you first start the game and the Unicorn Brigade is being attacked and the enemy, like the, the song title is called The Enemy Attack, mm-hmm. that comes on and like it gets you, at least it gets me fucking hyped. I'm like, fuck, oh shit, shit's going down. Like, yeah. that was, like, just the starting point for me. Like, the, this whole OST is magnificent, in my oh, opinion. It's, it's amazing. It's it's in it's in my OST ro- rotation of, like, when I put on uh, video game music to sort of work to and sort of listen to. Um, it's always in the rotation, so I get into is. It's got a really solid soundtrack. It's just not my favorite. So, I mean, I, I, I can't give it a perfect score. Glenn, what about you? Well, I'm not done yet, man. Come oh, on. sorry, 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 sorry. 
Like, I feel like they did an amazing job capturing the emotion of whatever, like, what's going on on the screen. Like, mm -hmm. there wasn't a time where anything felt out of place, and I felt like every time some kind of song came on, it added incredibly to the emotion of what was going on on the screen and just to the experience as a whole. That's fair. That's fair. All right, Glenn, would you give it? A three-ish? All right, let me see if I can explain this. So none of the music was bad. All of it felt very appropriate to what it is, but damn if I can't think of a single song. Like, none of it was memorable. Like, I... You think of Final Fantasy X, you, you think of Two Xanarkand. You know, you can't... None of these songs I remember. They're very appropriate for the time that they're in, but I don't know. Just none of it stood out. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll, I mean, it, three's better than one. I'll let it be. Um, so, this we don't have to go into a lot of detail, but uh, Nick, your overall experience, what are you giving it? 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Best game ever. Oh, my God. Uh, it's a John Tron reference, by the way. No, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, 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 yeah, so 5 out of 5. It's literally it's one of my favorite games. Like, it's, it's this tied with Valkyrie Profile are my favorite games of all time. So, And I hope we, you know, it's not too long to get to Valkyrie Profile. I look forward to playing it. But uh, we got we to gotta step back into some older games for a little while. But we'll get into that in a minute. Um Glenn, your overall experience, what did you rate it? I'm going to have to give it a three. It loses two points because I did not care any for the storyline, but the rest of the game was solid. Uh, I'm going to give it a five because it is, if I were to have, if I was forced to make a list of top 10 RPGs ever, this would almost certainly, without a doubt, in my brain at any point, even inebriated, it would be on the list. So, um,. A big old whopping five from Brenta Rooney. Now, um, before we get into the outro, we like to cover a few things like uh, that 999 attack trick earlier. Um, you also mentioned a glitch for Luca. Uh, do you, in addition to the glitch for Luca, do you have any other tips and tricks you want to cover before we get into the glitch business? Uh, okay, so not glitches? Not yet. We'll, we'll do those in a second. But up front, do you have any general tips and tricks for completing the game? Um, I mean, not really. You can do pretty much whatever you want as long as you keep your people leveled up and their their equipment up mm -hmm. to date and you give them like, some decent ruins. Like, mm -hmm. If you give them something, then they'll be able to do something with it. Um, like it's kind of an, it's a it's not a hard game. It's like medium to easy difficulty, I guess. Like there's would... points where shit jumps out at you and you aren't expecting it, like the Luca fight. Like if you mm -hmm. have no idea that's coming, you are going to get your ass reamed, especially if you fucked up saving. Like if you're not doing tiered saving. Oh yeah, tiered saving is a must in any RPG ever. Like I have a three tiered system and it works for me. So find your own system, but definitely have it tiered now you giving me shit about uh nami nami what, what did you what did you call a rune what did you call it what was that word you used i don't think is the right word what ruin there's no i in that word man i'm from so, New York. so what does the atlantis ruin do <laughs> i don't give a shit motherfucker uh, you've heard me say ruin i know but this is the first time you give me shit about my pronunciation or something so i'm giving you shit tit for tat motherfucker tit for tat I don't know what that means. We're moving on. Uh, tell me about the glitch for Luca. 
You know, I don't think I want to anymore. Please, Nick, when you tell me about the glitch. I, I just don't. I don't think you can handle it. You know, I, I might mispronounce something. I won't say all that. This has been part of my vernacular for as long as I've been alive. But hey, I don't know. Maybe it maybe uh, it's not for me. It's for our listeners, and they matter more than me. All right, I'll do it for listeners. All right, good. You're a good man. Okay, so obviously the fight against Luca is very difficult. Like, he will easily destroy all three of your parties if you have no idea what the hell is coming. Um, it's In order to make it impossible for him to kill you, there's a couple things you can do. So before you head into the war room um, and you're moving out to fight him, make a party of six and put your hero, Riao, or Rio, wherever the hell his name is, um, into the fourth slot. So it would be the bottom left of the formation screen. Um, after you head into the war room, um, when you're assembling your parties, uh, he will appear to be in the first slot. Uh, do not put anybody in his party. Don't don't mess with him at all. Just don't do anything. Like, you can mess with Flick and Victor's parties. They're cool. But you have Rio in a spot. And in, on the screen, it'll look like they put him back in the first slot, but he's not there. Don't worry about it. Uh, when you are... Fighting Luca Blight, you go through Victor and Flick, have them get wrecked, and as soon as Rio Rio's party shows up, um, he won't fight you at all because Rio will be in, um, like in the in the system. I guess in the logic of the game, it assumes he's in the back row, um, so you can just do whatever you want. Nice, that's pretty. That's pretty boss. That way, you can put useful people like you know that you've had in your party, like Luke and other people, into the parties with Flick and Victor, and not have your Victor party. Uh, win by the skin of your teeth with only Victor left standing when Luca goes down. <laughs> that was scary. I was a little sure. worried for a minute. Uh, but yeah, um, that's an awesome one. That's an awesome one. So, uh, you have anything else before I pull us into the the thing here? Oh uh, yeah, I've got a bunch of stuff. All right, go for it. Give me what you got. All right. So, as in same with the first games, first to begin. Um, if you've got stat up stones. If you make a save, then use your setup stones on your characters, then die in battle. Um, but choose to continue. You'll keep your setup stones when you start the game back up, and the stats on the characters, and also any levels you might have gained. Now, um, correct me if I'm wrong in this, but uh, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. But I thought I read somewhere that there were characters that could glitch into being recruited at level 99, like just That's out of nowhere. Did yeah, because re- it depends. Like it's a couple of them. I don't know. I think Mazis is one of them, mm-hmm. but for I don't know what what triggers it. Nobody really knows. Just occasionally, things you've done in the game may mess with uh, like the variables behind the scenes, and you'll get a character at level ninety nine. Oh, that's pretty yeah. boss. All right, I didn't know if you knew anything about it. I just read that you could get some ninety nine folks, and I was hoping you'd tell me how to get like an instant level ninety nine Pesmerga because that would be fucking sweet. Um, um no. Like, some of them are influenced by what level your main character is. Like, in the first weekend, if you kept your main character level 1, a bunch of characters join at, like, a level or two below him. Mm-hmm. So they will join at level 99, 98. But I don't know if that applies to this one. Probably not. Um, all right, what else you got? But speaking of level 99, if you have a character that's level 39 or level 49 with a fortune ruin and you go to the endgame um, castle, the runaway, whatever it is, um, and you fight a group of six units that are the Highland Guards or whatever, um, and you kill every party member except that one character and then defeat the enemies, they'll shoot straight up to 99. Oh, that's pretty nice. That's pretty spiffy, really, to be fair. 
Um, and the only way to get the fortune rune in this game is the uh, like the guardian statue thing, right? Yeah. Okay. You have to put the right plans on it to get the rune. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, okay. There's also... I've got a couple more. Sorry. No, I was getting ready to ask you for the next one. There's a, an armor swapping glitch. So you can put um, types of armor that your characters can't usually wear onto them. Oh, that's spiffy. How does that work? Um, it's it's pretty simple. Um, the person who who's wearing the unequipable armor... Um, has to be able to equip the armor that the other person's wearing. So, um, let's say like you have Humphrey wearing some kind of knight armor, and Luke has a tunic on. You can do it because Humphrey can wear tunics. Mm-hmm. You can't do it if he's wearing if Luke's wearing uh, a magic robe because Humphrey can't equip it. Um, but th- the way to do it is um, when you're in the character's inventory, you pick the armor that you want to put on the other character, and you just like w- so. Let's say you're in Humphrey's inventory, you click on the knight armor and you just go to Lux inventory onto his armor slot and put it right in there. Oh, no, that's pretty basic. Shit. That's yeah, really it's dumb. pretty simple. Okay. Alright, what else you got? Um, I think there's also a way to duplicate armor sets that has to do with like the... The storage house or something? Um, like the shopkeeper or something like that. Oh, okay. But I know you can do it... Like you can get maximum potch pretty easily through the shopkeeper. How's that work? Um, It involves the armor sets. Um, So what you need is you have one character with... um, We'll go with dragon armor. uh, That sells for about like 23k or something like that. Um, You have to make sure you have less potch than that. Um, And you want to make sure that the other character has no armor equipped, but they can wear it. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure the other character you're switching the armor to can wear dragon armor too. Okay. Um, so you go to the armor, you go to purchase dragon armor, um, then you, when you're going to be told to either put it in the bag or equip it, you choose to equip it on a character already wearing the armor, then when you're prompted to sell the old armor, put it in the bag, cancel that, and it should be back into the buying uh, armor selection. Mm-hmm. Um, just simply buy the armor and put it onto the other character, and your pot will max out. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. The reason for that is it thinks... Like, you trick the game into thinking you're still in the sell menu or something like that. So when you actually go to buy the armor, it sells it. Like, it deducts it from your your uh, cash flow or whatever, and then it just maxes you out. That's pretty fucked up. All right, you got anything else before we... Uh... Um, Nothing, like, glitchy. There's a couple secrets. Like, right. at the beginning of the game, um, you can get an extra couple pairs of boots from Barbara. Oh, cool. That'll help you out at the beginning. Um... What you gotta do is you gotta equip two pairs of boots on Ryu and then talk to her and she'll give you three. So you get one, you put it on him, and then she'll be like, oh, you, you need boots, all right, and you ask for three, there you go, four free pairs of okay, boots. Okay, because it's basically just checking to see if it's in your inventory if you can, if you receive another one from her is essentially what I'm guessing there. Exactly, exactly. Okay, all right. Um, there's a way to like manipulate the rare finds. Um, oh, please tell me about that. Master. Um, it's really only for the Gregminster Greg one. Oh. Um, so any runes that are in the rare finds, um, you can go in. If you don't see anything in there, just quit. And then there's a cabinet behind him. Um, go look at it, and then go talk to him again, and it'll refresh the rare finds. Oh, that's so pretty impressive. You can do that like every time you go into the, the town. You can only do it once, and it'll refresh the list once, but you can leave and walk back in and try again. Okay, all right. 
because it took me forever to get the the fury rune to show up because i'll tell you man it was like that 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 bitch did not want to give that up i'm like come on give me the fury rune please you have more gripes about rare stuff uh, well, i can no. i agree with you that's kind of fucked up yeah so um all right keep going at the beginning of the game when you're running from around and the soldiers that are trying to kill you before you jump off the cliff if you kill 108 groups of them that introduction you get that's in monochrome is Will be in color, color. Right? yeah i think i read that one um i've never done it like i got close but i was like man i'm fucking i've been here for two hours and i'm kind of done yeah, i so, bet you were like a really high level though well, yeah eventually like they just one shot everybody and you're like you get so many item drops from them too so your inventory is full of shit oh wow so you can make money that way earlier if you want to but um there's also, you can stay at the inn for free every time you go to the inn. That's basically by backing out of the save option, right? Yes, because the game doesn't take your money until you save. Yeah. So, that's pretty cool. Choose to sleep. Choose that you're going to save, but then don't save when the screen comes up and you don't get charged for staying. But if you're if you're that tight on Potch that you can't afford to stay in an inn, like, you're doing something wrong. Like, that seems like an unnecessary one to use to me. Hey, you know what? You do it, like, let's say you stay at the inn every time you go to a town, and, like, you get charged, like, 300 potch each time. Like, you do that, you skip the trick, like, 10 times, it's 3,000 potch, you can use that to upgrade somebody's weapon. A really early upgrade? I don't sure, know. but, like, it's better than having to go farm that money. I don't know. I, I, I didn't really have enough problems with potch in this one to really merit it. Like, I, I wasn't even, like, hurting for you know, like Gaspar in this one. Fair enough. I wasn't oh, it. Yeah. That's the thing I want to ask you about. How do you feel about them changing bits to Potch and keeping Potch? I don't mind. I like Potch. Potch is fine. I agree. It sounds better than pit bits, so I mean I I I'm not I'm generally not the guy to judge on currency names, like unless it's something really dumb. Like if they were like uh they're pingu units like, how many Pingu units do you have? I'd be like, what the fuck is a Pingu unit, you know? But, like, Potch is fine. Bits are fine. Gold's fine. Gill's fine. Like, I don't really I don't really have a, uh, a problem with that. I don't really pay attention. Okay. So, I mean, did you... Do you not like Potch? I love Potch. Potch is way better than Bits. Well, there you go. Problem solved. Okay. Anybody have just one more thing? Oh shit, man! You were just a wealth of information today. I was not prepared. Well, this one is—it's the Vicky one. Okay, what do you got for it's, Vicky? Um, randomly, Vicky will teleport you to a a locked room—a room that's supposed to be locked in Radat, um, and it's got some hidden items there for you. Oh, now how, and and that's just randomly when she's supposed to be teleporting you somewhere else. Uh, yeah, pretty much. There's no way to really make it happen. It's just, like, they. I guess an RNG goes, and if you hit the right number, it's like, oh, whoops, I messed up, and then you go up there. What's what's in it? Do you remember? Uh, I can look it up real quick. Yeah, I want to I know what's in the room, because I feel like I missed out on something on that one, because I didn't know about that one. That's pretty cool. Because, I mean, that fits with, with Vicky's... Alright, does Jean finally become playable in the third one? Because it feels weird that I've recruited Jean twice and can't use her. No. Oh my gosh, so she's not usable to a four? Yep. That's absurd. Alright, so you ready? Good. Yeah, alright. Okay, you get a blue gate crystal, so you could have had two. Oh, um, nice. Some dragon armor, a mole suit, and a mega medicine times nine. Oh, that's not even that great. It's 
it's not even really worth it. I mean, the second blue gate rune's okay, but I only really ever had one real magician in my party anyway, so. Because, I mean, I really well, just had Luke. It's just a nice, nice treat, I guess. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's just sort of like, ooh, look what I found. It's, I guess, because if they made anything really that much more valuable, then people would feel like they just had to teleport via Vicky a hundred times until they ended up where they're supposed to be to get the extra items, you know? Like, that's that's powerful enough to be a good bonus, but not too powerful as to require trying to do it every time you play the game. Yeah. So, I like that. All right, uh, anything else you want to add? Are you, are you out? You got more? What do you got? I mean, I've got like hidden scenes and stuff, but no, I don't. I don't. We don't need hidden scenes. We'll cover. We will cover Clive's story in the 108 Stars of Destiny mini sode following up this one. Uh, Glenn, do you have anything else you'd like to add? No, maybe. Glenn. Glenn's like I'm done with this shit. I'm out. I think we lost Glenn. All right. Well. With that, I'll just pull up the sexy, sexy ska music. Oh, it's so loud. Let me turn that down. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Dun, 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 dun. Okay. Like the show, or should we... Or should we have spent longer farming double beat runes? Either way, let us know. Leave a rating and review on iTunes. Each one counts, and we love you for it. Want to join in the conversation? Send us an email to podcast at therpgshow.com. You can follow us on Twitter at the RPG Podcast, or you can always visit our home on the web at therpgshow.com. And until next time, say bye, everybody. Well, I'll just say bye because it's been something. Bye.